Okay. Before we begin then, let's take a moment to pay homage to the most magnificent one, the omniscient one, the unvanquished one, the undefeated one, the supremely enlightened one. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa What did we talk about last week? What about it? Okay. What else do you recall? I've been speaking a lot this week, so I can't remember where we stopped. Somewhere around that? Okay. Now, when we talk about this feeling or this sensation of a self, it's really important to grasp this idea properly because it's quite easy to express this in words, but true realization of this is not as easy. It is one thing to say it out loud, but it's another to actually internalize this. Now that doesn't mean it's, it's impossible or it's really difficult for anyone. But what I'm saying is, sometimes it may be that you feel you've gotten the idea, but always you know, be prepared to surprise yourself. And perhaps in the next time we talk about it, or perhaps uh, uh, next time we next time we do a talk on it, maybe it's the time when it's going to happen. But I, th- I guess the point I'm trying to make is always remain a student and always keep questioning until you are satisfied, because the truth is what you ultimately realize. And the problem with ignorance, as you know by now, is when you're ignorant, you don't know you're ignorant. So, how do you say that you have understood the truth? It becomes a, a difficult proposition given the premises, given the premise that when you're ignorant, you don't know you're ignorant. Therefore, the only acid test of this is to Reflect on how you respond to the world around you and the various vicissitudes of life that come your way. When grief and sorrow, when fame and glory, 
when profit and uh, let's say comfort come your way, loss and pain come your way, are you able to respond to them equanimously? This should be the, the, the true test. So the, the thing is, only you know your mental response to this. I could look at you from the outside and maybe be able to tell you or your, you know, your body language says that some, you, you know, something's still wrong with you or that you aren't fully able to treat both these in the same vein. But it's only a, it's, it's anybody's guess, really. You know, who knows? Perhaps you're being bitten by a mosquito at that time. Maybe that's why you've you got a funny face on. And with your masks on, it's going to be even more difficult. Right? You're like emotionless people. So, so the, you, you know, you have to be your own judge here. Okay? You all know what suffering's like, right? No one's new to that. Yeah? Everyone's experienced suffering. There may be reasons why you're suffering right now. For instance, I think it's a bit too chilly in here. So I think that needs to be turned up a little bit. You don't look very comfortable though. No. You should say so. <clears throat> but more so, you may have issues that trouble you mentally, psychic irritants, things that trouble you. That I think you know you're all probably well aware of. Perhaps something happened in the workplace, maybe something at home, maybe something among friends. Maybe with your spouse, maybe with your children, maybe at school. Hmm? You know something annoyed you. Hmm? Perhaps it was only this morning. Something got the better of you. Maybe it was a flat tire. Maybe it was running out of food. Maybe, you know, your other half said something that you didn't really expect to hear from him or her. Maybe they forgot your birthday, or even worse, your anniversary. And these things can happen, right? So you have to be the judge here and ask yourself, how do I feel in those situations? I think, I think I'm fairly confident that your response to these situations will have evolved over the last months, two years. That I think I'm fairly confident, otherwise you wouldn't keep coming. I think that is uh, enough proof to me that something is happening in, inside of you. Something. To what extent? I'm afraid I can't be the, uh, the judge of that. You have to be your own. Okay? But if you feel that something's going on, something's happening inside of you, something, something's improving you know, for, for the better, then keep on at it. Keep on at it and make use of all the help that you can get from this place. To better understand the Dhamma, to better learn to reflect on life situations, because we are not about changing the outside world, right? I think we all know this by now. This is a, a broken record. I keep going on about this every day. 
We are not about changing the outside world. You know, think of it from, from this angle. Say there's something you like to eat. And today when you go for arms, right, that, that is cooked at the monastery. Uh, say it's jackfruit, for instance. You get some jackfruit and you really like it. Okay. Now, Swami Nasi comes on Pindapati. Hmm? Now, there are lots of ways in which you can deal with this situation. No? Yes. Yeah, you know it's going to take at least five minutes for Swami Nasi to get to you. So, in that time, right, you know, you can deal with the jackfruit. Right? So, the jackfruit can be dealt with. Right? And then it can become a non issue. Because when there's no jackfruit in your plate, then there's no jackfruit to offer. So, no problem. That's one way to do it. Another way is you can keep all the jackfruit to a side and say, right, I don't, you know, I know I don't, I like this. I am so tempted by this. So, therefore, I'm going to put all of this into Swami Nuhansa's Patri. The problem is, what if everyone did that? Right? Then Swami Nuhansa is going to have jackfruit diarrhea that day. Neither of them are the solution to the problem. Either associating or disassociating. Neither of them are the answer. Neither of this is the solution to your problem. But you will know that various schools will teach you this method of freeing yourself from various cankers. Either don't associate or you know, have more of it until you get fed up of it. I know people who have told me that. They say, in my philosophy, what we do is, if we like something, we just indulge ourselves in it until one day I realize there is nothing to be gained from it. Then there are others who say, who claim that if, you, if there's something you like, the best thing to do is to avoid it. And then that way, you, 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 you try and um, train yourself or untrain yourself or perhaps a you know, break the desire by not having it. Neither of these are not, neither of these are the Buddhist method. Because we Buddhists, we understand that the problem is not in what you eat or what you don't eat. It's in your mental response, your reaction to what is on your plate. So what should you do then? If there's something you like that's on your plate and Swami Nansa is coming up in the path, what should you do? Do you give it? Do you hide it under the rice so that it's not to be seen? Do you not serve it in the first place? Or have it served in the first place? You know, when you go on the arms round, you know, there's oh, jackfruit, no, thank you, don't want to. Hmm? This is a question that you need to have an answer to. What my teacher tells me to do is to take it. Only yesterday I was discussing something similar with him and what Guru Swami Nuhansi agreed with my explanation was, you know, the best times to do this Pratyaksha, right, is not at the start of the meal. Although we do that conventionally and traditionally, we do that. The best times the Pratyaksha really works or this reflection works is when you're having something you like or you don't like. If you're kind of, you know, neither here nor there, then chances are you just see it as food to sustain the body. But if there's something you really like, or if there's something you really don't like, that's a splendid opportunity 
to practice the reflection of the Pratyaksha. Because what Pratyaksha is, is in fact a reflection. I like that word, reflection. Because you reflect, you contemplate on what's going on here. Remember, this is all a process, right? As we discussed this morning. It's all a process. Both body and mind. This is all a process. So the mind does not by default like or dislike something. A process has to kick in for this response of either like or dislike to happen. When you reflect on that process, that's it. Because it is the ignorance of what's going on that allows, that creates the environment, that is the catalyst for that process to be there in the first place. Quite wonderfully, the Buddha put it, you know, ignorance is the reason, is the root cause of all suffering. What is ignorance? What suffering is all about. When you know that this is suffering that is coming into being and its roots and its causes, there in itself is the answer to ignorance. Because now you're wise. Now you know what's going on. Does it sound like Greek or am I making sense? Hmm? Making sense? Okay. <clears throat> so we were talking about the self. And I, just to a quick uh, show of hands, do you remember baby Natasha? Give me a show of hands. Okay, about half of you. So, uh, dear baby Natasha, hmm? you can fill in the details in case I, I forget. <laughs> right, so there was a mother or a woman who got, who got pregnant, right, and she wanted to uh, bear a child. And uh, at the time of her delivery, she lost her child. When she regained consciousness, she got to learn that there had been a miscarriage. Yeah, and then she was in an she she was in an she got herself in an awful state of distress, and her loving and dear husband approached her, and then asked uh, what you know if he could be by her side and you know be of some more uh, some support to her, and uh, insanity got the better of her. This is what last week I referred to as insanity mode. Yeah, insanity mode. Insanity mode kicked in. And all of a sudden, she began to think that actually there'd been no miscarriage and her child was born. She was that she had that she bore a, a, a well and healthy child. So now in her mind, she's a mother. We called her baby Natasha because we just needed a name to give the child, right? So does this child really exist now? No, you and I know this. But who doesn't know this? The mother doesn't know this. Now, if you recall, this story we first mentioned back when we did sermons at Almatinera. Okay, its relevance, I think you will begin to see in greater clarity today as we start to describe in detail what this self is all about. Long, long, long time ago, the mind was indoctrinated. Now don't ask me how and who did it, because to that, I, as yet, I don't have an answer. 
so you can ask but i'm only going to have to say i'm sorry try later okay but somehow we know this this is what happened who did it how it all happened i think right now is besides the question the best analogy i can give this give to this is if someone shot you with a poisoned arrow i think your biggest concern ought to be what who shot me right no huh? no of course not right time is of the essence and therefore if someone shot you with a poisoned arrow the first thing you want to do is to get it out right and any poison that might have seeped in you want to extract it and get it out of your system right otherwise you know this is fatal so in the same way being less concerned about who input indoctrinated this in your mind but more so about the fact that it did happen let's continue our conversation so long 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 time ago the mind was indoctrinated about this concept of identity i am going to take this slow because i want you to think in these silences wherever i, I keep silent i want you to think i just want you to think about what i have just said what was it indoctrinated about the concept of identity what does identity mean to you uniqueness yeah they say you have to identify with yourself right so say for instance you are stopped by the traffic police right you will be asked to show your identity card so you have to prove that you are someone and you are not someone else meaning you are a different individual to anybody else you are a separate entity to anybody else you are a free standing individual that is your identity now there are various attributes you would use to describe your identity such as give me some name yeah what else age or date of birth yeah yeah gender hmm what else profession yes your residence yeah i think that's on the back of the card as well yeah then uh, what else might you have they give you a number hmm? at the end of the day you're all just a number blood type yeah yeah it could be a blood type so various attributes perhaps you know maybe the color of your skin or maybe perhaps the color of your hair maybe your fingerprints they call them biometrics right perhaps your iris maybe your dna these are all attributes that could be used to define your identity so when you say i am this is me uh, here i am this is me right when you want to say this is who i am you would be using a number of attributes to distinguish yourself from others all on board so far yeah in addition to this you will have various other things like your habits your hobbies your favorites hmm those of you whose favorite sport is tennis put your hand up and someone put your hand up. someone will put their hand up for those of you whose favorite sport is cricket put your hand up and someone will put their hands up for those of you whose favorite food is cake or ice cream or chocolate or rice and curry or hoppers or string hoppers then people will put their hand up so again things that distinguish you from one another thank you <laughs> shall we put a chair over here 
It's very helpful. I'm a little minion. So, these attributes we use to identify ourselves, right? It seems so obvious, doesn't it, that we have to identify ourselves from one another? I mean, it doesn't feel odd or weird, does it? That you have to, or you know, that there's a, there's a there's an underlying need to identify yourself from someone else because you know people expect it of you anyway. The authorities expect it of you. The government expect it of you. Your friends expect it of you. Your parents expect it of you, and most of all, you expect it of yourself. You know that you are a very you are you might even be a different person to who you were yesterday. So let alone you and anybody else, you'll even say, I'm a different person to who I was yesterday. That again, again, when you do that, you're still using attributes to distinguish yesterday from today. See, then I had long hair. Today I don't have a single strand of it, you might say. Then I was a lay person. Today I'm a monk. If I don't do this properly in the future, I can have two letters at the end of that monk and call myself a monkey. <laughs> no, really. Guru Hamdur always tells me that. Be virtuous in your practice. Otherwise, you'll be adding two letters at the end of your name. This is like a double-edged sword. You have to be very careful with this. You can ask the two ladies to come in. Now, I said to the person at the back, We don't need a welcome party, thank you very much. So, all on board so far? Yes, this, this feeling, this need to identify oneself and to distinguish us from each other, right? Now, we go on to do this because there's a feeling inside of all of us that we are indeed very different from each other. And, you know, it's not like we spotted that there were things very different from each of us and then we tried to describe it and, and explain it. Rather, it was the other way around. From the moment we came in to this game, we felt we were different and then we used whatever we could find to explain that. Did I get my point across to you? Yeah? So it was not that you looked around, you saw differences and said, Ah, so then we must be different. Instead, it was, I am different. Let me see what I can find to explain how I'm different, to describe how I'm different from each other. This is how it worked. So, long, long, long time ago, the first moment you felt yourself as an identity, this was the mind. Okay? The mind identified itself separate from everything else. This was the mind, identified itself as separate from everything else. And at that moment, something happened. The Big Bang. Not that Big Bang. I'm using a metaphor. That's where everything, that was basically Pandora's box. Where I was different from everything else. Now, biblical references we tell you, that's when People distance themselves from God. And, you know, I think, I think they're, they're onto something. 
Right? They're onto something, they just don't see it as profoundly as it was meant to be seen. So in the Bible it will say, you know, back then all was one. You know, man was with God. But eventually, you know, uh, having eaten the poison, not the poison apple, the, the forbidden apple, right? People wanted to identify themselves separately from God. And then, you know, God lost favor. And, you know, that's when everything, everything went, started going wrong for people. But I think what they're trying to say is, everything was one. Everything was one. Until the mind wanted to distinguish, separate, identify, individualize itself from everything else. To become an identity, to become someone in a world of no ones. In a world of nobodies, people wanted to become a somebody. And that practice we see even today. You know, everyone's trying to become a somebody. In the way they dress, in the way they walk, in the way they eat, in the way they sleep, in the way they talk, everyone's trying to become a somebody. Yeah, agreed. Everyone wants to be a somebody. Now, let's come back to today. That was a long time ago. Let's come back to today and see what's going on today. Because in studying what's going on right now, you know, this is how we have learned what might have happened back then. It's like historians, you know, they look at the fossils of today and they say dinosaurs once roamed this planet. Right? It's not like they go back then and then project, but rather they look at what's available today and they tell you that this is what might have been back then. Similarly, by studying what's going on today, right now, in this package that is you we can find some answers to how it might have been and how it may be and what's going on right now so this is where i'd like to give you a few illustrations and try and convey the message across to you what something really really important though at this point is these talks can come across as being very uh, academic or presented for the purpose of, you know, uh, let's say, uh, you know, this, my intention is not to make you all professors in how the mind works. Okay, so this is not a psychology degree or how the mind works. This is not a lesson on that. Instead, we are all focused on one thing and one thing alone. I'm, I'm, every time I talk to you about something like this, I will very soon focus it on the point of suffering because that is what we are trying to fix. Yeah. Fair enough? Now, last week, I, we talked about three things that we need to understand. Okay? Do you remember them? The body of first. The body, mind, and self. We spent a great deal of time last week to get across the point that this cannot be the body. Right? This morning also we discussed this at, at great length. 
the changes to your body does affect how you feel about yourself but it is not the self okay but it has an effect on it because you identify the body as as the self you've never really learned to look at this package as these three things until of course we started to listen to the dhamma prior to this you probably have only known these two things and you had a sense of self but you didn't know it was a sense of self you thought this package is me and therefore you you would have said my body and my mind these two things make up who i am my body and my mind but when you talk about this my my body my mind um we need to now try and find where we can locate this my this sense of me this sense of self going back again to baby natasha this mother when she so badly wanted a child but lost her child in the process of delivery she went into a state of insanity we we all know this as you know common as insanity going mad right all that happened only because she really 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 wanted the child now this didn't happen to the father who was not in that similar state of mind he of course wanted the, the baby but not so badly so really they didn't it didn't send him into insanity this the, yeah into insanity mode what happened didn't do that to him now when the mind because we are all to, we are, we are focused on the mind here right as buddhists we, this is our focus on the mind we know that the body can't go into insanity mode the body can't go mad it is only the mind that can go mad what the buddha teaches us is there is a madness that takes place in the mind and that madness is what gives rise to not a self really but the sense of a self now i'll explain to you so uh, i realize that some of this will seem very bleak but not to worry okay taking step by step you'll understand the whole picture by the end of this so do please be patient there's a difference between a self and a sense of self do you remember we talked about santa hmm santa remember santa and do you remember what i said about santa not do you remember santa but more importantly do you remember what i said about santa yeah have you seen santa have you no you've never seen santa you've only seen someone who looks like santa you've never seen santa why is why is it that you've never seen santa doesn't exist doesn't exist but you can see people like santa in other words they can put a beard right big belly dress in red maybe find some reindeer okay and ho 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 right <laughs> and that's your make do santa but not santa how do we know that it's not santa now if i were to present to you someone i said ladies and gentlemen i present to you santa how do you know that santa and not dasandru pretending to be santa how do you know you know give me some ways in which you would test for the real santa how might you test hmm no he looks like santa oh yes so from the outside 
you can't tell the difference from the outside okay what do you know about santa hmm <laughs> you can you can tell him to fly but then he has his reindeer right you know this santa was the same santa when my great 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 grandparents were around yeah same santa santa hasn't changed right so santa never dies yeah now do you see there's a way you can check that this is not the real santa right if you could fast forward time you realize that this person is mortal but santa is immortal that is just one test so anyone mortal you know cannot be whom cannot be santa a very simple test because santa is immortal so although someone could look like santa they're not the real santa if they are mortal so when they die whoever whoever is pretending to be santa if and when they die at that point you can say ah you tricked me now i know you're not the real santa hmm agreed yes so you see in the same way if we know about this self me or i we can then compare and contrast the attributes of this hypothetical or at least so called hypothetical let's not come to the conclusion that it is just yet that's where we are getting with this right we can compare and contrast and juxtapose santa uh, not santa this time self and the sense of self and if if they're one and the same then of course you can accept that yes this is self but if during your test you realize that this sense of self does not tick all the boxes of a self at that point you're going to have to come to the conclusion ah this is not self this is only something pretending to be self with me yes all with me so far excellent what do we know about self mm mm-hmm. if you think back to your younger years now i want you to forget for a moment this sense of self okay let's all imagine this is a self that we are this is there's a self okay if you think back to your younger years the the very fact that i can tell you think back to your younger years and you can immediately think of when you were younger and you'll say yes yes so many answers yes yes what about it when i was younger yes you don't have any problem with that do you you know when i ask you to do that you don't look up to me you know through through you know a blind face and or a blank face and go what are you talking about so when i was younger does it even make sense there was no when i was younger this is me i'm i'm just born you never say that you have no problem thinking of when i was younger meaning that you feel unprompted unrehearsed that that younger self is the same self that you are today just maybe a different size a different shape a different color different length width breadth 
you know, that may have changed, but you feel that that was the same you back then. Yes? Yes. However, when we start to look at what's really in this package of yours, we begin to realize there is nothing that survives for longer than a fraction of a second when we start talking about the mind. Now, you know, of course, that the mind, the self is not in the body. So I'm not any longer trying to prove that it's not in the body. Yeah, is that okay with everyone? Yeah, because you using, losing a limb or getting a haircut didn't make you feel less of yourself as you walked out of the saloon, right? So clearly, or walking out of the operation theater, you didn't feel less yourself, right? So meaning it's not part of the body. A heart transplant doesn't make the person who's received the transplant to feel that the person was the other person from whom he received the transplant. So it cannot be a part of the body. Yeah, so science is enough to help us figure that bit out. So it has to be in the mind. Something's going on in the mind. Something's going on in the mind which is making us suffer. This is the whole problem. And we are trying to figure out what's causing us to suffer. That has been the object of our pursuit ever since we began this journey of listening to the Dhamma. And wherever we find this, we will destroy it and that in, therein will be the end of our journey. You and I will no longer need to meet. The mind we now start to take a look at, which we have in the past, so this is not new territory to any of you, you know that the mind is something that is transient. It arises and it passes away. On a base, on a foundation that arises and passes away, you cannot build something that is everlasting. Are you willing to accept that theory? Hmm? You know that sugar attracts ants. So anything made with sugar will attract ants. If I, would, if I claim that there's something here, I've made it with sugar, but it doesn't attract ants, you will not believe what I have just said. Then you'll have to say, Swaminasa cannot be. Either, you, either you're lying to me that it, you know, ants don't come, or you're lying to me that it's made out of sugar. It can't be both at the same time, right? So they're mutually exclusive. So in a mind, because we know this is not one mind that lasts forever, <clears throat> this we've talked about and we've proved in the past, right? How, you know, how have we proved? Give me one example of, or one instance we've proved to show that it's not one consistent mind, but these are chittas that arise and pass away. Hmm? Yes, absolutely. You know, the fact that you are seeing this and now you are seeing this means, you know, it's not the same thing. What happened to this chitta? It passed away. That's how you see this chitta now. If that was still there, you wouldn't be able to see this. Right? So we know that this is a series of chittas arising and passing away, but no two chittas at the same time either. Yes? All good so far? Right. So on a foundation of chittas which arise and pass away, again let me remind you, this is the time axis, meaning they don't coincide. That's why I'm, I'm plotting this on the time axis. None, never are two of these present at the same time, right? So only one at one time. Now, on one of these, and then another one, and then another one, which always arises and passes away, how can you build on this foundation something that survives 
an entirety of a lifetime. How is it that you can feel that back when you were younger, on, on this foundation, back when I was younger, you know, you know, when you say, when I was younger, when I was 10, you'll say, when I was 10, now you're staying and you say you're, you're 25 years of age, right? <clears throat> what is 25 years of age again, by the way? The body, of course, not the mind. The, money, the mind cannot be 25 years of age. The mind is, you know, this is brand new, fresh, just out of the factory. I just came out, brand spanking new. So this guy, this guy says, when I was 10, meaning 365 times 10, meaning 3,650 days ago. What, on, on what authority? On what authority is this, is this guy speaking about what happened 3,650 days ago? Yeah, just born. This is an infant, just came into this world. Never before has it come here, and never before, and never, never again will it live. This is the only time it has ever seen daylight. On what authority can this guy, you know, by guy, I'm, you know, I, I mean the chitta, right? Can, on what authority, whose authority can this guy say, here's what happened to me when I was 10? When you say that though, do you, you know, you, you genuinely feel, don't you, that you are talking about yourself? But is it possible? This is my question. Is it possible? No. Why is it not possible? Yeah. These are like waves, right? Rising and passing away. So, you know, it, how, how can something that arises and passes away and it has never done it before. It's only just done it. You know, this is the first time it's come into the mind. It's the first time. This is the first time you've met this guy. Right? How can he talk about what happened when he was ten? So, uh, how can this guy say this? It's 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 an invalid claim, isn't it? Unfounded. So you see, through wisdom, we're going to have to make sense of this. What's going on here? Something something smells fishy. Something's going on, but it doesn't stand the test of... You know, no scientific theory can explain this. This is not logical. This doesn't make sense. This is nonsensical. You were just born and you're saying what happened to you when you were 10. That's like you speaking about your great-grandfather, but as if you were him. What would people say then? Yeah, either you're mad or your grandfather has come back. Right, and then they'll have to take you for an exorcism. <laughs> now, what's worse? It'll even tell you what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. It'll tell you what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. It's, it doesn't make sense, does it? So, but, but we need to try and explain this. Right? Like all good scientists, let alone Buddhists, like all good scientists, we have to explain. We need to come up with some hypotheses to, to explain what's going on here. What if, what really happened was, as the good lady kindly shared earlier, 
this mind or this chitta believes in something that truly does not exist okay so walk with me okay don't jump ahead don't lag behind walk with me right what if this chitta were to believe or was to believe in something that does not exist like ah yes like natasha's mother who believes in something that does not exist but badly wants it badly wants it what happened to natasha's mother she went she went crazy she went insane now shouldn't something similar happen here when the mind is indoctrinated remember long 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 time ago the mind wanted to identify itself from everything else that i am different from everybody and from everything else i am an individual very different to who you are right we are we are separate identities so i am i am me and you are you right let's make let's get that clear let's identify let's make sure that we have you know set our borders we've set our barriers we've identified everything we can to make those distinctions right so if the mind was indoctrinated that there was such a thing as a as a separate a, a separation from everything else a separation from everyone else now the mind would go to any extent to experience that this is how bad attachment is when attachment you you know you know this out of simple like in experience you know let without even getting so deep right when attachment kicks in right when you want something right when you want something you can't sleep you you will fight for it sometimes you will even die for it until you get it you're not satisfied yeah, this is just a small a smaller version of you <laughs> because ultimately this is you so whatever you're feeling this is how it's happening this is us putting your mind on the surgical table and we're doing an operation on it because what happens on a macroscopic scale has to be able to be explained on a microscopic scale so when we go into the microscopic level here's what's going on this mind believes believes because it has been indoctrinated that it is a very separate entity to everybody and everyone else the i this sense of an identity has kicked in it has it has it has crept in from somewhere as i said don't ask me where from just yet perhaps someone sometime in the future but it has and it's attempting to feel that because you can't you can't talk about i am different from another one without without feeling it right so there there is a there is a feeling of it so that's what the mind's trying to do now and when it on its attempt as it attempts to do that it tries to do whatever it can to do it now let's see what goes on here we remember you talked about how the eye comes into contact with an object yeah remember all this yeah and then we have the rupa vedana sanya sankara and vijnana and so on yeah these are the only things that really exist in this world 
okay part of that is body the rest is mind hmm? these are the only things that really exist in this world if you were to take every entity in this world and dissect it ultimately you can put it into five different boxes rupa vedana sanya sankara vijnana these things they come land on the mind or in fact what really happens is as i comes into contact with an object last week we talked about this you know the optic nerve and how the brain works and all that and uh, a stimulus from the brain as soon as it's induced the mind's job is to do these things right to receive recognize uh, register recognize and uh, respond and perceive right so these five things the mind is bound to do it is its duty as soon as eye and object come to come into contact as soon as ear and sound come into contact as soon as tongue and taste come into contact right as soon as nose and smell come into contact as soon as body and other objects hard objects come into contact it is the mind's job to do those five things receive register recognize respond and perceive what has happened so that's the mind's job the mind is ever ready now one very important lesson thing i want you to take from uh, at this point is remember it's not that the mind is waiting for this to happen yeah because this happens later this happens first so it's not like there's a mind just waiting for you know waiting for a delivery the mind is not born a chitta is not born until these two happen these are like mother and father without mother and father there is no child likewise without i coming into contact with object there is no mind this happens after this like news news you watch on television like they'll tell you what's happened now they can tell you what's going to happen of course but that has also been planned right they they're talking about a plan so the plan has happened you with me so on news you'll only see what's what has happened what about the weather forecast that hasn't happened yet yeah it has the forecast has happened right in the meteorology department they would have made their forecasts and the forecast has happened they don't they don't say oh you know what it it rained tomorrow no they'll say it's going to rain tomorrow that is a forecast so the forecast has happened so news is all about this is much like news the mind is like a news reporter oh guess what happened next time oh guess what happened oh guess what happened guess what happened guess what happened guess what happened that's how the mind works it, it always is always after the fact what fact contact two things coming into contact world and your sensory inputs when these two things come into contact it's obvious isn't it because what can you receive if the first thing that has to happen is receive right how can you receive something that does not exist yet so to receive of course the event has to have happened yeah the event has to have happened right so the mind is born after the fact why to receive to register 
to recognize, to respond, and to perceive the event. But remember, this is not any old mind. This is one that was indoctrinated or is indoctrinated and it's, it's waiting to feel this sense of self that it believes exists. Now remember, ladies and gentlemen, I'm ex- trying to explain to you here why you feel that you are an identity very different and separate to everybody else. Something you've never heard before in all of Sansara. Okay? You got some water, sir? All right. This is something we've never heard before. Something very new. Right? So it's important that we pay attention and also we take our time with this. There's no rush. Remember, this, this mind is indoctrinated. It believes that the self, not a sense of self, remember, it's not looking for a sense of self. It believes that the self exists. But what comes along? These things. These are the things that come along. It receives a sight object or a smell object or a taste object or a sound object or a touch object. Does it receive a self? No. When that is received, then next what happens is Vedana or registering. Okay, registering of a sight object, registering of a sound object, registering of a smell object, registering of a taste object, registering of a touch object. Not a not registering of a self. Then we have recognizing. Recognizing of a sight object, a smell object, a taste object, a sound object, or a touch object. Not a not a self-object. What two things have to come into contact for a self to be born? You know, nothing like that happens. Because all you have are your five senses, your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. And what you have on the outside are sight, sound, smell, taste and touch. So you can't have a self-object. And the same from there on as well. So we, we, we touched on Rupa, we touched on Vedana, we touched on Sanya. Then we have Sankar, response. So there can be a response to a sight object, a sound object, a smell object, a taste object and a touch object. And we can also perceive a sight object, a sound object, a smell object, a taste object and a touch object. Those are the things that can be perceived. So they are received by the mind, but the mind's waiting for something else. It's waiting for self because that is what it's been indoctrinated with. Like Natasha's mother. Everybody comes, but no Natasha. Why? Because there's no Natasha to come. But the mother wants her. This mother, this, this, this mother, this mind wants it. What happens then is like the baby Natasha's mother went mad, the mind goes mad. And as the mind goes mad, it, it, is, it is capable of most wonderful things. It is, a, it is capable of what we call illusions. The mind creates an illusion. You know, can you even come to believe that, you know, all your life, You've been living in an illusion. It's just hard to believe, isn't it? It's unfathomable to think that this is what's been going on with all of us. There's only ever been a body. There's only ever been a mind. And these processes, 
The mind was only born to perceive what comes from the outside world. But at one point it became, it was indoctrinated as it is now, right? And then from that point forward, it wanted something different, something in addition to what came in through the normal procedures. And now it wants that. But when the mind realizes it's not getting it, like the mother realized that she wasn't going to get her child, it goes into insanity mode. But thank heavens for that. Because remember, the mother stopped short of taking her life because of what? Because of her insanity mode, right? If it wasn't for her going insane, she, you know, worse things might have happened. The mind is only able to remain in this I mean, you couldn't say it normal, but at least in a, in a warped state, yeah, because of its ability to go into insanity mode. Remember, this is just a smaller version of you. So if you're able to go into insanity, then this is what's going on in the background. But this is not the conventional insanity. Different to conventional insanity. They won't take you to Angoda for this. They'll take you to Sansara. Ah, that's all right then, isn't it? <laughs> so the mind goes into insanity mode. And what the mind does then at that point is it creates an illusion. It starts to trick itself. It's a hallucination, a mental hallucination. And that hallucination creates what we call jati. This mind going into insanity mode, this mind going to self-preservation, self-protection mode to stop its own destruction creates jati. And when that happens, as jati is born, or as jati comes into being, like the disease and the symptoms we talked about, I think last week, yeah, disease and the symptoms, at the moment jati comes into being, now you begin to feel that you are an identity. But we know that it is only a sense of self because we understand what's really going on. The mind, before understanding or listening, comprehending to the Buddha Dhamma, does not know about this part, but doesn't stop it from feeling this. You don't need to know what's wrong with you to feel you know, aches and pains when something goes wrong on the inside, right? So you don't need to know what's going on. It goes on. Because your knowing or not knowing has nothing to do. If there's a process, there's a result. So this is what goes on. This self is created on the inside. And now, I come back to the question I asked you last week. There's a bottle at the end of this room. So what? Can I ask the same question of self? Okay. So it goes into insanity mode. Hmm? You can answer this question very easily if you think back to Natasha. So the mother thinks she's got her child now. You know, from that point forward, is her life just going to be a simple case of so what? Hmm? No, all mothers in this room will know this. Yeah, all mothers in this room will know this. From the moment you knew that you were a mother, you had a child, from there on, 
your entire life was dedicated to protection, preservation, looking after, taking care of that child. Problem is this. It's all right if the child really exists. <laughs> what if it didn't? Now think. Why do you really feel sorry for Natasha's mother? You wouldn't feel sorry for someone who actually had a child. Not so much anyway. You know, if, if you see a, a woman, you know, with her child, feeding her, taking care of her, washing her, bringing her up, teaching her, you know, doing all those things, playing with her. You say, oh, you'll say like that. But if there was a, a, a woman who was insane and she went through everything to look after the child, remember, you know, just imagine that ladies in the room, right? Imagine you actually didn't have a child, but you went through all that pain and hardship to bring up a child that didn't exist. Right? Looking back at that life, that you spend the last 10, 15, 20, 25, how old you up there? Right? Looking back at all that time, right? And, the, and, and imagine the child didn't really exist, that you really didn't have a child. How would you today contemplate that time that you would have spent? How would, what, what would you feel about yourself? Pity, wouldn't you? Yeah? Now come back here. The self doesn't really exist. Santa is not for real. Say again. The sun that you think you have doesn't even exist. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it is all a product of the self. Indeed, think about it. There's only a body and mind, right? This is a mother, this is a child, this is her child, right? What do you have here? In this package? Body and mind. What do you have in this package? Body and mind. There is something else that works on here inside of this that makes this mind feel that I am the mother and this is my son. It is not a part of the body that says that. It is not even the mind that says that. It's the hallucination that happens inside of the mind that gives you that feeling. So what? Mothers in the house will have the answer to this. <laughs> so what? So what? Not so I mean answer, right? When he gets hit, technically speaking, who should be the only one who gets hurt? person who got hit. How come she gets hurt? Body, mind or hallucination? Hallucination. When he gets, you know, goes and goes, gets married and leaves home, right? Why does she cry? This is just a package, body and mind. <laughs> But why does the mother cry? Because the mother feels, this is my son. He should be with me. Hallucination. 
This hallucination you cannot stop for as long as the mother feels that I exist. Because it is, it is this that happens initially. You know, it's, it's as if you had a mirror here. You only see as a reflection what is stood in front of the mirror. Now you remove that, you don't have a reflection. Similarly, you identify others as individuals, separate, uh, separate individuals, separate identities, because you identify yourself as one. But you see, it's only a mind. It's only a chitta that only lasts for one chitta moment. Immediately followed by this is another one. The same thing over again. Same thing. Again, insanity mode kicks in. You know, this, this, these things don't take time. You know, these, these things work you know, at, I was going to say light speed. Actually, it works at mind speed. At mind numbing speeds. That's why the mind goes numb. <laughs> right? It, it works at such a fast, it works so fast that the mind goes insane. I mean, thankfully, what would have happened to Madame Natasha if it had not been for her insanity? So thankfully the mind goes mad. But what Buddha's come into this world is to teach us this is what goes on. Now, you'll have heard this before. Yadanicham Tandukkam Tandukkam Yadanatta Right? Let's pause there for a second. This, as you can see, is the principle is, is, an, is a manifestation of rising and passing away and therefore anicca. Okay? One, one part of anicca is this nature of arising and passing away. Arises due to causes and passes away when the causes cease to exist. This is the nature, the nature of anicca. But in a world where everything is anicca, if you were to take it as nicca, Therefore, yadanicca. This is what it, this is what exists. But if you were to consider this as nicca, yadanicca tang dukkha. There, dukkha is born. How so? You see, the mind wishes wishes to experience a nicca experience. Wishes to experience something nicca. What is nicca here? Something that is not causative. Something that is not keeping in line with the principle of cause and effect. Something that does not have a, have, a, have, a, have a rising or a passing away. As I said, you know, think back to when you were 10 years of age. You will tell me, I was the same person back then. Outwardly appearances may be different, but I was the one back then and I will be the one who, you know, does this, that and the other tomorrow. There's a self, there's a, there's a self that you feel has forever existed. Even back in the day, people went to the Buddha asking for, where is this self, you know, I've been, I've been coming through this process of reincarnation, leaving body after body after body after body, right? But there was a self, there was an entity that traveled this, this, this sansara. Where is that self was the question they asked. Now the Buddha answers, Yadanicca. What you have here is something that is anicca. But if you were to take it as nicca, tandukha, meaning what has really come into being now is dukkha. Dukkha 
ஓ ஜாதி திஸ் இஸ் துக்க யத நிச்சம் தன் துக்கம் எந்த துக்கம் தத நத்த இஃப் திஸ் இஸ் துக்க வாய் யூ கால் இட் அ செல்ஃப் நத்தா இஸ் ந அத்தா வாய் யூ கால் இட் அ செல்ஃப் இஃப் திஸ் இஸ் துக்க வாய் யூ கால் இட் அ செல்ஃப் so here's where it's important why why do we make this distinction that it is not a self it's actually suffering this is dukkha why do we make that distinction the very same reason i asked you you know there's a bottle at the back of this room why why do we care we don't because it doesn't get in the way but if suffering comes into being can we not can we just turn a blind eye no because that dukkha actually this is this sense of self it is jati that gives rise to this this is what the buddha refers to as suffering so you will have to now put aside or i said shall i say better put alongside your understanding of whatever suffering you thought life was about right those vicissitudes of life right the good times and the bad times the passings away you know grief sorrow all those things this is what people conventionally think as suffering but true suffering that's why the buddha when I mean, he pre- prescribed the preach the four noble truths he says pubbe anusute su dhamme su chakkum udapadi idam dukkham idam dukkham people have always looked for self but the buddha says no 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 what comes into being is dukkha idam dukkham this is suffering this suffering that comes into being why because rupam bikkave anicca mangs rupa is anicca vedana is anicca sanya is anicca sankhar is anicca vinyan is anicca they are anicca by nature that has a nice ring to it they <laughs> are anicca by nature right but yadanicca yadanicca if you were to take those that that which is anicca as nicca then what comes into being is not self it's suffering yan dukkham tadanatta so if this is suffering why o oh monks do you call it self it's a bit like this going back to the santa example if all human beings age die uh fall ill right why then if if you if you ignore that fact if you choose to ignore that fact then you will begin to think of a human being who's dressed as santa to be the real santa because without without ignoring the reality of of the human body you can't think of it as a real santa can you because does santa die santa doesn't die so to think that someone who stood in front of you is the real santa there's one thing you need to do first you need to ignore neglect discard the idea that this person is mortal you will have to first accept or think or believe that this is an immortal being that is the prerequisite for you to then go on to think that this is santa and uh, you can't think that he is mortal and then also think that he is santa because santa ain't mortal right so 
in much the same way. But, the, but let me c- conclude that. But if you think that was Santa, if you, if you thought to yourself that that was Santa, and then you know you took Santa, Santa, please come with me. You know you are immortal. I'm so happy to have met you. Please come and be with me. This guy now seventy years of age, right? Let's say you're only twenty, right? Few years later, you will be by his bed, right? You will be washing him uh, after he's done his poo poo. You will be having to take him to the take him to the toilet. You'll have to feed him. You'll have to wash him, right? And then a few years later, you'll have to find a coffin big enough to put him. All that because you thought that was Santa, because you do, you wouldn't have taken him home. You wouldn't have taken him home if you had realized, no, this is a mortal guy. He grows old. He falls ill. See, he can't be Santa. I want Santa. Santa doesn't. If this was Santa, then Santa can't be growing old. Santa can't be dying. So, you know, I was fooled. I was tricked. It was an illusion. Having fallen for that illusion, you take the guy home and now you have to suffer. But that is secondary suffering. Exactly. That is secondary suffering. But that is the suffering that most people believe Buddha talked about. I'm not going to say that the Buddha did not talk about it, but it wasn't what the Buddha came into this world for. Because every Tom, Dick and Harry knew about that suffering. Everyone knows about that suffering. Everyone knows about the suffering of losing a loved one. Having to associate someone you dislike. Departing from someone you do like. When a part of this breaks, and the physical pain, and on top of that the mental anguish, that comes along with that. Everyone knows about this. You don't need a Buddha to come and teach you that. Not after so many yawns of practicing the path, you don't need all that. I mean, you and I knew this before we listened to the Dhamma. But what we didn't know, well, what was the root of all that? That's what we didn't know. And that's what the Buddha comes and teaches us. Idan Dukkam. I have realized, I have discovered suffering. This is suffering. This suffering that is jati. When that suffering kicks in, as in when the, as the mind goes insane and jati happens in the mind, it creates the sense of a self which, please mark my words, which if you fall for the trap and believe that is the real self, now all hell breaks loose. A sotapanna is someone who will still feel the self, but he or she knows very well that this is not a self. This is only a sense of self. Therefore, they don't expect of the self the things that you would normally expect of yourself, like taking home that mortal guy, if you knew that this was a mortal man, this is not real Santa. You know, I'm going to take you with, with me because you look like Santa, you know, but you know, I know things are gonna, not, gonna, not really going to go to plan. I know I'm going to have to suffer because of you, but hey ho, and Santa goes, ho ho, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they go home together, right? But, but the guy knows, right? I'm, I'm going to have to suffer. Right? Because I, you know, I, I, just can't, I just can't break this, this feeling that goes on inside. It's, it's, it's pretty similar to, you know, like when someone learns that smoking is a killer, but they can't stop it. 
right? The habit is stronger. So therefore, they can't stop the urge, right? They know this is a killer. I shouldn't be doing this. The doctor said, stop. This doctor said, three months. And I still am doing it. I know this is going to kill me, but I can't stop it. A sotapan is someone like that. But that's far better. That's so much better. A trillion times better than not knowing. Than not knowing. Because then you have a hidden killer. At least now you know the killer. So you don't get him too close to you. And you work towards eliminating that killer. That is what a sotapanna is. So now you'll realize, you can ask, you know, you can ask and answer the question, why did Visaka, who became a sotapanna at the age of seven, went on to have many a child? Yeah, you'll have heard of her. Some, according to some accounts, she had 20. According to some accounts, 12 and so on. You know, I'm never sure about the number. Various sources say different things. But regardless... What we do know is she went on to have children even after having become a Sotapanna. Why? Now you have the answer. She knows that this is only mind and body. But she feels that there's a son here. She feels that there's a daughter here. And she enjoys that. She knows that she's going to have to suffer. She knows it. She knows that that suffering is all based on this suffering. This jati. She knows this. She knows this. But she can't stop herself. Because, like I said, it's not a case of whether you want or you don't want. It's cause and effect. If ignorance is there, attachment is there. If attachment is there, then suffering is there. And remember, Samaditti is not Arahathud. Samaditti is like learning that smoking kills. Arahatud is giving it up altogether. You know, perhaps from either yourselves, personal store accounts or other people that you might know, that they are not one and the same. The knowledge that smoking kills is one. Giving it up altogether is a whole other ballgame. So here's what goes on in your mind right now this moment still you feel you are an individual you are an identity therefore you are not able to see all of us as one as you practice the path as you go deeper and deeper and deeper you will not just say all of us are one you will say everything is one the stars the planets the moons rivers and the lakes and the oceans right cats and dogs and cows and sheep and this, that, everything. This is all just one. We have, I haven't explained to you how that works, but that is where we'll get to. So therefore, to borrow the phrase again, all is one with God. It just happens to be they didn't know what they were referring to as God. This is the energy that exists that energy which is always in a state of flux. The only constant is change. Everything is in a constant state of change. And in that series, in that process, somewhere down the line, a mind, because it is able to perceive, 
comes to perceive something that is incorrect. The, percep- the perception of a self. When the mind feels that, the mind is also capable, remember, of desire. The mind is capable of attachment. And the moment attachment kicks in, then vexation kicks in. And when vexation kicks in, to stop it from self-destruction, this insanity mode kicks in. And when insanity mode kicks in, the mind begins to identify a self. Little does it know that it's not a real self, but rather a self that was self-generated. Not self in that context, but mind-generated. So the mind creates the world in which it lives. You got that right? Yeah. The mind creates the world in which it lives. Remember last week we talked about color. We talked about sound, right? These are all perceptions of the mind. Every mind moment it creates a world and lives in it. And as that, as that world collapses, another world is born and it creates it and lives in it. And, the, and you know, in this moment you have your mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, cousin, son, daughter, grandfather. I'm a husband, I'm a wife, right? These are my children. I'm the president of the country. I'm, the, uh, I, I, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm an engineer. All of that. This entire universe is created in one mind moment. The moment it passes away, the next one comes into being, start again. Create an entire world. Why? Because you can't exist without that world because that is what you're vexing for. Dukkho. Okay. Patitita. Dukkho. That is this. Jati. The entire world rests on Jati. It is because of this Jati, an entire universe, an entire existence is created. They will never invent a supercomputer as fast as a mind, I can tell you that much. No amount of quantum computing can ever cross that barrier because the mind is capable of creating an entire universe. All of this. All of this. So rich, so vivid in its detail. All of that in one mind moment. Fascinating stuff. But equally, pretty painful stuff. That's why I said right at the start. This description, this explanation, I'm going through all this not to make you professors or intellects in the science of how the mind works. So I don't have a certificate to give you at the end of this course. What I want from you is to realize that this is what's going on. That is why, so what, you have to keep asking this question. Yes, I'm learning this. So what? Jati is happening. So what? This is the reason for all Dukkha Dukkha. That's why it's called Dukkha Dukkha. The Dukkha of Dukkha. This is that Dukkha. This is the Dukkha that is responsible for all the other types of Dukkha. The 11 great fires. See, how can you how can you mourn the death of a loved one if you, if you, if you only saw that as a package of mind and body? Conventionally, you will know that this is, a mother, this is mother, this is father, this is son, this is daughter. But that connection that you have on the inside, that connection comes into being because well, you can't stop it. Can you look at your son and think to yourself, no, that's not my son? You can say it all you want, but you can't stop the feeling because it's not whether you want or not. Even if having understood this, right? Perhaps let's say you've, you've got it, right? The penny dropped. 
I, all makes sense. You still can't stop it. Not like that. Because it's not a case of what I want and what I don't want. It's a case of cause and effect. It's a case of cause and effect. Where there are causes, there is an effect. So that's why the Noble Eightfold Path, the Noble Eightfold Path are the right causes to eradicate this jati. That is what it tackles. That is what it eradicates. That is what it eliminates. That's why it starts with Samma Ditti. What is Samma Ditti? Idan Dukkham Pubbe Ananusutesa Dhammesu Chakkungudapadi. Oh, Dukkhe Jnana. Wisdom or knowledge of Dukkha. Dukkha Samude Jnana. Knowledge of the cause of Dukkha. Dukkha Nirode Jnana. Knowledge or wisdom about the cessation of suffering. This is the thing that you know, this word suffering has, you know, in the world that we live, has been interpreted and defined as in a very mundane way. That is what gets in the way of us trying to explain this concept of suffering. Because the moment I say suffering, immediately you're thinking, yes, my mother passed away, it's suffering. Or this thing happened to me, my you know, floods and these you know, calamities, these things happen, therefore suffering. It's very difficult to stop people from going into that mode. Because that is the context in which we live. So first of all, we need to break that barrier. That's why I would like to refer to that as Dukkha or Jati. Because it is Jati that is what we need to identify here. When I keep talking about Jati, I fear that if I keep using the word suffering, you, the, what will come to your mind is the day-to-day -day suffering. Dukkha Dukkha and not Dukkha. I am not here to teach you how to stop Dukkha Dukkha. If you are hungry, go to the kitchen. That is your answer for Dukkha Dukkha. But for Dukkha, no point running to the kitchen. For that you have to run to this place. Because here we talk to you about Sammaditti. Sammaditti is Dukkhe Jnana. Dukkha Samude Jnana. Dukkha Nirode Jnana. Dukkha Nirode Gaminiya Patipadaya Jnana. Idanga also Sammaditti. With Sammaditti, immediately afterwards, you, you get Samma Sankappa. You know, again, traditionally we use the word right. Right does not capture all of what I want to say. Right view. Because the word right has so many meanings. Right view. Samma Sankappa. Right thoughts. When someone says, do you have right thoughts? Yes, I have very right thoughts. I'm a very good person. I'm a very kind person. I have very right thoughts. That is not what we mean by this. That's why Samma has a much, much, much more profound meaning than, you know, either Nivaradi in Singhala or right in English. This is why it's important to investigate the, you know, how these words have come into being. Samma has a much, much profound and deeper meaning than just right. Sang is avidya trishna, ignorance and attachment. And to remove that, to eradicate that, is the ditti. Why? Why so? Because it's through ignorance and attachment you fall into jati. So Samma Sankap is all about Nekkama Sankapana, Avyapada Sankapana, Avihinsa Sankapana. Kama, Vyapada and Vihinsa which are all Mitcha Sankapana. Now you'll understand that they are based on the view that there is a self. Because you see, Kama Sankapana, I want to be with someone. 
Oh, I want this thing, that thing, the other thing. These are all based on a sense of self. Because when there's a self, you need to satisfy that self. Remember, without the self, the mind's job is one and one alone. Receive, register, recognize, respond, perceive. Where here has the mind got an opportunity to ask for, I want this, I want that. You know, the funniest thing here is, the mind is born only after the I and object comes into contact. So what right does it have to ask for different parents? That's like you walking up to your mother and saying, Mom, I wish, I, I would like another mother. Can, can I have someone else? Can I have that auntie as my mother? You know, biologically that is impossible, right? For, for that to happen, you'd have to go back in time and be born to another mother. <laughs> in the same way. The mind that is born, having the I and object come into contact, now says, I don't want this mother, I don't want that father, I want a different pair of parents. That is, you know, had it not been for the two of them, that mind wouldn't have even, wouldn't have even been born. Beg your pardon? Yes, yes. So, yes. Attachment. Because of the indoctrination. You know, as I say, at, at some point, this identity this 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 sense of identity being unique was implanted in the mind and it was it was it was it was uh, indoctrinated as something that was pleasurable so you know we, we can borrow all the things we talked about thus far you know pleasurable enjoyable you know joyful essenceful uh, this essence is really atta right so anicca dukkha anatta the opposite is nicca sukha atta now you see if it's anicca, then it has to be dukkha. What has to be dukkha? Or this? This is dukkha? No, no, no. That is dukkha dukkha. If the world is anicca, remember the, the Buddha comes into this world to treat a problem, folks. He's a doctor. The doctor doesn't arrive if there are no patients. Yeah? So the Buddha comes into this world to fix a problem, a mental problem, a mental ailment. What is the ailment? Jati happens in the minds of sentient beings. They don't know that it is jati. They think that it is self. Right? They don't know that this is simply a sense of self. Right? This, is, this, is the, this is the reality. So the Buddha comes into this world to say, please do realize that the world is anicca. If the world is anicca, then the problem that you have is dukkha. He's giving you a diagnosis. He's giving you a diagnosis. Why? What would a doctor do? He doesn't come for a cup of tea and some scones. He's coming for, he's coming to give you a diagnosis. You know, like any good doctor would examine you and say, right, you know, by your pulse, by, you know, observing your breathing patterns, you know, looking at your uh, ECG, it seems that this is what is wrong with you. Likewise, the Buddha says, right, you know, this world is anicca. Look at the mind. It's arising and passing away. On that, on, that, on that foundation, on that base, the problem that you have, therefore, is dukkha. Therefore, anicca, dukkha. 
and he also goes on to say please don't think that this is self it is because you believe that this is a self you get yourself into all sorts of problems and all the 11 great fires that ensue nahi silena watang hotu upajanti tathagata the tathagata doesn't doesn't come into this world to 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 propagate rituals and practices and all that attakarati nibada sambuddena pakasita the buddha comes into this world as a doctor to diagnose and treat the problem that we all have ignorance is nicca sukha and atta going back here no understanding of arising and passing away no understanding of cause and effect right no understanding of all that therefore you know the ignorant mind does not know that the mind itself arises and passes away all they know is i exist so that is a nicca feeling isn't it there's no there's no arising passing away do you feel you are arising and passing away that sense of self no it's always been there and it'll always be there that is a, a nicca feeling then you feel this is good therefore sukha why would you identify it as dukkha see whenever you had suffering in your life you wanted yourself to be happy right you didn't want to eradicate the self did you hmm whenever when you went on a trip what did you want to do i want to be happy who wants to be happy i want to be happy i would like to have something nice to eat so i can have a good time i can enjoy myself so did you ever want to rid this feeling of self or i no let that be there all i want is to stop suffering because you didn't identify real suffering all you were addressing were was dukkha dukkha the suffering that is based in true suffering therefore answer this question for me please that identity that self did you see it as dukkha or did you see it as sukha of course you saw it as sukha therefore nicca sukha and therefore atta this is self but is it actually uh, it is sukha dukkha yeah well you know people do people do have endure suffering that comes out of this this notion that this is a this is this is you know pleasure this sense of self is is pleasurable people then go on to go on to suffer but you know that is because people are ignorant isn't it and that ignorance is what the buddha comes and teaches us he doesn't talk about truly folks you know he if you having understood this principle if you now go back and look at the tripitaka if you ever find yourself doing that you will you will interpret everything that he has said in very different ways you know the same thing you've read many times over previously will mean something completely different from here on because he has talked about suffering you didn't know that the suffering he was talking about was this suffering therefore you thought he's talking about the other kind of suffering which everyone knows right so therefore you thought ah that's what the buddha is talking about and then you know other people from you know followers of other religions would come and say so what's so different about the buddha and my god and my philosopher you know we're all talking about the same suffering so every religion is the same they would say the truth is no that you know now <laughs> in no other philosophy in no other philosophy will they talk about this sense of self because in no other philosophy will they have, will the philosopher will the leader of that philosophy will the or the the preacher of that philosophy that philosopher would have identified that 
self as suffering. Everyone else would have tried to teach how to keep the self happy. Yeah? How to keep the self happy. Be one with God so you can be happy. Keep the self and try and keep it happy. Don't do bad things because then you will have to suffer. So the you is fine. The suffering is the problem. They're talking about Dukkha Dukkha, not Dukkha. Right? Anywhere you go, everywhere you look, whichever philosophy you will come across, they're all talking about how to keep the self happy. Some will say, right, let's stop this self from coming into being because this, you know, this, this does not exist or jati does not exist. So they believe that at the end of this birth, that's it. That is also not true. There is no reason for that to be the case. If chittas arise and pass away, just because it arises in this, this body and, and you know, this body has, has disintegrated, you know, these are two very distinct and very individual things. Just because this body comes, into, comes to a stop doesn't mean this has to come to a stop. Let me give you a very simple example or you know, point to, to prove my point. Hmm? Stand up all of you for a second, please. You know that the mind arises and passes away just where you are right now, right? Yeah? You all know this? Right. Take a step to your left. One step. Okay, stop. Now what's happening? Still the mind is arising and passing away, right? But not where it was earlier, right? So you shifted the body and along with that, now the mind does not arise in that place. It is now arising in a different place. So, come on. <laughs> Please sit. So, why is it that the mind has to arise in this, just one place? Just shifting the body is enough for the mind. Because the you know, mind is not dragged along with the body, right? It can't be if it arises and passes away. So wherever it was, it arose and passed away. Then the body shifted again, arose and passed away. Shifted again, a body again, mind arises and passes away. So you know what is there to say? When this body breaks, it'll still arise and pass away, but this time in another body. <laughs> All you need to do is think with an open mind, and then the answers are there. Yes, so memory is, is a resource that the mind can tap into. And thanks to memory, as the gentleman reminded us earlier, thanks to memory, Jati has a fantastic time of, of telling itself, well, see, it is more evidence that, you know, I, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm alive, and this is, this is, you know, this is, this is me. Because whatever happened yesterday, it can remind itself. So they are, they are sort, of, sort of like fragments of, Events that happen where memory is, you know, I'm not going to go there just yet. You know, is it some kind of data store somewhere you can tap into? You know, is there an Ethernet cable that is plugged in? I'm not going to go there just now. But because it is not something that exists as such. Everything arises and passes away. Everything is based on cause and effect. Right? We'll we'll come to those things later on, madam. But memory is something that is there, and it's 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 a fantastic device for jati to convince the mind that you know i am me see what you did yesterday you i did it say can't you remember 
what I'm going to be, you know, what I did when I was 10 years of age. It was me because memory is always there. So the memory is constantly feeding this process. It's, it's conducive to jati. But you can have jati without memory. What if you lost your memory? Yeah, if you have a memory lapse, so if someone loses their memory, sometimes they don't, they, you know, they don't know who they are, but they'll still feel a self. You ask him, what's your name? What is a name, they might ask. But I'm talking about a sense of identity. It does not have to have a name. Remember all those attributes we talked about right at the start? You know, name, age, gender, complexion, color of hair and all those things. You know, they don't have to be there for a sense of self. When you're in the Arupa world, you don't have names. You know, no one gives you a name. One second, madam. But the, this, this sense of self is all based on jati. You know, you don't need a name, age and any of those things for jati to come into being. All you need is ignorance and attachment. Put into the dependent origination process, you have jati. It is simply a feeling of self that self can or may or may not have a name, may or may not have a gender. Besides, of course, if you didn't have a body, there would be no gender. But the sense of self would still be there. Remember I told you, an ant feels the same way. The way you feel the self, an ant feels the self in the, in the very same way. But if the ant may or may not know that it's an ant. Okay? It may or may not know it's an ant because it has access to Namagotha. But I don't know that. I can't really speak for animals of that size. Right? But you know, right, in two individuals will, will, will be able to tap into memory and, and say that, you know, just imagine for a second, if, if your memories were swapped, that if somehow we were able to re-engineer your memory reserves and you know, your connections to your memory banks, and this gentleman's memory was swapped with this lady's, Right? Jati would still happen, but this gentleman would think that I am this, this lady. And the lady would think that, he, that she was this gentleman. And then they would act as if they were, well, the opposite genders. It is your memory that reminds you your name. Otherwise, you wouldn't know it right now. Each chitta that is born. If I ask you, what's your name? You know it now. Again, what's your name? You know it now. Again, I ask you, what's your name? You know it now. So your name is not even yours. You have to go to memory to remind yourself of that. You know, if, the, if, if that is what we can say about name, what about everything else? Even to tell me who you are with your name, you still have to go to your memory. Isn't that pure evidence that it is not you that is not part of you, your name is not part of you, but don't you get offended if someone mispronounces your name? You had a question, madam? Mm. By understanding that this is what is going on. And then after that, reflecting as you engage in day-to-day -day activities, right, when you feel this sense of self, which you always do, particularly where you, where you, you, know, where you have heartaches and you know, where you have desires you know, it happens all the time remember it's not only when you're suffering or when you're happy it's always there there's never been a moment where you didn't feel a sense of identity it's always there constantly reflecting and contemplating on what's really going on here that it is ignorance and attachment that is giving rise to this jati in fact you know you don't even need to think about ignorance and attachment and so on if you keep your senses about the fact that this is jati this is not a self. This is cause and effect 
working on on my mind and that's why i feel a self this is a sense of self not a true self that in itself is the remedy for this for this ailment remember dependent origination is based in ignorance ignorance is lack of understanding lack of knowledge lack of wisdom about what's truly going on so as you reflect on what's going on every time you reflect on what's going on that's why in the sadhana satipatthana the buddha talks about this kaya kanupasi viharati as you do various things you know as you look about as you walk around as you fold your robes right think about is there a self that's doing this or is this a process that contemplation is the answer because whenever you contemplate you train your mind to see the truth we've been trained to see what is false that practice you've had for entirety of sansara now we have to retrain our mind like everything comes with training and you get better at it as you train so that is what we do in the valley manu for 40 hours a week at at minimum and you know it's that is just because we spend 40 hours in the valley manu doesn't mean we can't not do it other times every waking moment we are always reflecting on the fact am i talking right now to you is what i'm thinking in the back of my mind or is this a process this is a process like a machine this is all going on vipaka is being drawn to this mind which is preparing words which is vaji sankara then sending signals to the brain which is then transferring that energy throughout the body and uh, a voice is coming out to you i am reflecting down that as i speak with you that is my reflection of the dhamma that is my meditation so as you go through life do various things you know do whatever you want whether you are in the bedroom or you are in the washroom whether you are driving your car or whether you are you know brushing your teeth matters not whenever you are when you are you are awake because you can't do this in your sleep that is the only time you can't do this uh, when you are in when you are awake keep on reflecting keep your focus on what's really going on the more times you you do this the more times you train your mind to see the truth the more you train your mind to see the truth remember it is ditti vipalyasa sanya vipalyasa and chitta vipalyasa that's how this happens so just because the ditti is fixed doesn't mean this recognition of a self and the ultimate perception of a self is eradicated in one go it has to happen with practice but it all starts with samaditti all i can do for you is give you samaditti and then from there on actually i don't need to teach you what to do after that <laughs> I was going to say from then on I can tell you what to do but that is not true because once you've understood the truth how can you see the world in ways that is no longer true you know the truth if you know that this is you know this is this is yellow you can't you can't you know forcefully think that this is red or green you can say it but you know deep down inside you know that's not true you can't force yourself to accept something that is false it has to be convinced yeah it has to be convinced that is conviction if you know something by conviction then that that cannot be changed so that's what i'm saying all i can help you do is really share the truth with you once you understand the truth then after that it's practice now that doesn't mean you don't have to listen to the sermons after that i'll tell you why because there are two parts in this in this practice one is dharma and the other is vinaya and vinaya is not necessarily the code of discipline that the bhikkhus have to abide by but more so the way we train our minds the 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 practice that we take you know practicing the 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 the, the virtues right and 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 
you know, being respectful to others, you know, all that stuff that we talked about being a good human being, uh, you know, a good citizen or a decent human being and all that good stuff. And, you know, having a teacher by your side so you can, you know, when you have issues, when you have problems, you can talk with them. Right? So that, you know, like any good student, they may understand the art, but then after that they have a teacher to guide them. This is all, all you'll need after that is a guide, but you know your destination. You will not stray from your destination, but a teacher standing by your side can help you accelerate your journey to your destination. That is why the Buddha says, in his sasana, the entirety of it is dependent on the association of a Kalyanamitra, not just for Sotapanna. Because in the presence of a Kalyanamitra, you can accelerate your journey, you can speed up your journey to your liberation. Does that all make sense? Right. I'm keeping you from lunch. Okay, let's pause for there for today. I think we've discussed quite a bit today and probably a little bit heavy, but I think, I think you know, we've made some sense of all that, right? So <clears throat> do take some time to, if you have the time, that is, go back and listen to it uh, once when you get back home. And, uh, but don't fret because we will continue the conversation when we meet again next week. Okay? All right. So let's transfer the merits we have all acquired. And, you know, again, I would like to remind you, if you today realize how beautiful and how profound, how awesome the Buddha Dhamma is, then I want to remind you how many people have made it possible for you. How many people have made it possible for you? Maybe there are those who are unable to come here today, but they have made it possible for you to be here today. Right? Perhaps it's your, perhaps it's your husband. Perhaps it's your children. Perhaps it's your wife. Perhaps it's your brothers and sisters. Maybe your friends. Maybe your relations. Maybe someone drove you here, but he doesn't want to come and listen to the dhamma. Perhaps, right? There are so many, many scores of people who've helped get you this far, this far. We need to be grateful to all of them. Right from the teacher who taught you the alphabet, from your younger years. That's why I keep on going on about your parents, folks. If not for them, you wouldn't be here. They dragged you from being a Gandhabba and gave you a womb. Right? Brought you up, fed you, looked after you, sheltered you, taught you manners, taught you to become a decent human being. And that is why you're here today. If you didn't like me, you wouldn't be here. But they taught you to like good people. That's why you're here. They taught you to associate the right kind of people and they showed, taught you to keep away from the wrong kind of people. That's why you're here. So all that has helped your science teacher, your math teacher, your, your biography teacher, your geography teacher, your history teacher, they've all helped. The principal who, who beat you, who punished you, who gave you detention at school, they all helped. Didn't they? Absolutely. Everyone you can think of. Perhaps at that time it didn't seem obvious that they were helping you, but they did. They all helped. That is why we must be eternally grateful. Because now we know what we've come up to. Now we know where we are going. Now we know where we are, where we are heading. And it seems so clear, crystal clear. All the more reason to be ever so grateful to those who have helped us get this far. Okay? Right. So, as grateful as we are, let us take a moment to transfer the maids to all of them and conclude the sermon. Okay, let us take a moment then. To transfer the maids we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, 
chanting period, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Stipitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these maids to Guru Swami Nuhansa and all the teachers at the monastery resident and the resident monks at the monastery as well as all the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these maids and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them. And may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. May through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands and wives brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these maids, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer maids to the devas, brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambuddhasasana. Let us also transfer maids to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. May through the power of these maids, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer maids to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been our families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us in every way, shape or form they could. Let us also transfer maids to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation. May all those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the maids that we have acquired today. Let us also transfer maids to all those who lost their lives in the natural calamities, such as tsunamis, earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, including the most recent and prevailing one, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer maids to them. May through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And let us all resolve that may through the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land, 
And finally, may to the power of all the minds we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an arahatan mahanse, narahat theranin mahanse, in this very life itself, and in the era of the Gautam Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Trigojan be with you all. The members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their blessings to you. <coughs> Raga Ginnidatma Desha Ginnidatma Moha Ginnidatma Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tara Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tara Vetma Mamada Sialu Loka Sialu Satnvayo Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tara Vetma Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tara Vetma Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tara Vetma Raga Gini Niveva Dvesha Gini Mohagini Niveva Nivansapaladeva 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 Tunduvange Suvisi Ananta Mahaguna Belen Sirulok Sir Satyom Nibbana Paramasukhen Sukhita Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.